from LPM, Louisville Public Media. Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org. Hi, I'm Kyla. And this is Jay. And you're listening to Strange Fruit by Louisville Public Media. Welcome back to listeners. So, Doc, uh, we've talked uh, the last few weeks about trans representations in Hollywood. We talked about Pose, which has been mm-hmm. the largest uh, uh, trans cast in television history. Yes. There's been talk about the, the one movie that was coming out about the, the trans man who was a bar owner. And they had this thing that was going to play, you know, she was a cis woman, but she was going to play this trans role. And a lot of trans actors, what, what was what was her name? Do you remember? No. You know, the, the white woman, she was going to play uh, a trans, uh, Scarlett, a trans Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson yeah, yeah, right. And so she was going to be playing this trans character. And folk in Hollywood are like, yo, we have enough at this point. Mm-hmm. Well-known or even lesser known trans actors that can play these roles. We're tired of trans face. We're tired of cis people playing trans roles. It's been demonstrated that trans people have the skill sets to tell their own stories, play their own roles. And so I'm really appreciative of more and more trans narratives and especially when trans people tell their own stories. And so I was really delighted when I... Um, yeah, because we did. We had uh, Brian Michael Smith on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. He was on Queen Sugar. To talk about his role on Queen Sugar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. you have Angelica Ross. You have uh, you have all kinds of people on, on Pose. I mean, that, that's a really large cast. So you have people who can play these roles and tell their own stories. And so I was really delighted, Doc, when I went to um, id.vice.com and saw a cool new project. Well, at least it was new to me. It's been going on for a couple of years, but it's called the American Voice Project. And it's a photo series that lives primarily on Instagram, but it seeks it seeks to, uh, to show diverse and inclusive trans identities, trans masculine identities. It's called the American Boy Project. And it really, I think, probably, from my opinion, seeks to challenge ideas of what American boyhood and manhood means, mm-hmm. what trans masculinity means, um, and all those kinds of things. And so we wanted to invite to the show uh, both a participant in that project and then also the author photographer. So listeners, please welcome to the show uh, participant Lazarus Letcher and photographer Soraya Zaman. How are you all? Hey, y'all. Hi. Hi. Good. How are I'm you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So let's start with you, Soraya. You are the photographer and author of this project, the creator Tell our listeners a bit, please, what the American Boy Project is and what gave you the idea to start this project. Uh, well, it's a it's a photo series, uh, a portrait series of individuals from all across the country um, who identify as transmasculine. Uh, and uh, the idea for this project came... Um, really out of a personal position of growing up, uh, really not having any role models or um, kind of like uh, influences to, for, for a gender identity outside of, bin- outside of the binary. So for me, it was like when I started learning about they, them pronouns and uh, people who uh, don't really fit into the like cisgender norms I was like oh my god this is amazing and so I wanted to kind of explore that through photography and uh yeah I mean I found um a few Instagram pages that I went down the rabbit hole and I was like okay you know what I really want to go and capture these people and and tell their stories 
And it kind of just snowballed from there to this like kind of a project with I photographed, I think, 33 people from all across the country. Um, and I just wanted to kind of like bring these stories and keep these, um, you know, these people into the into the into the limelight, I suppose, because they're such important stories to be told. No, yes, yes, yes. And um, I'm so excited about this project. I mean, I can't wait um, till the book comes out and, and all this. Kind of, can you tell our listeners a little bit about how your project over the years has changed or shifted scope? Um, how has it broadened from once you first started and, and so on? Um, it's pretty interesting, actually. Kind of, I feel like everybody that I photographed as part of this project I found on social media. Um, and kind of keeping an eye on and tracking uh, people on social media, even over the three years, has changed so much. There's like the evidence of storytelling and um, and tra- and like people advocating for the trans community has just grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. So it was kind of really humble at the beginning, and now when I when I look and try and find people, it's like there's so many great stories out there. Um, which is, you know, which is really important to share. And it's kind of become a bigger than me, uh, in a sense, like trying to tell these stories. And, um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's my answer. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love it. Now, now you're, you're, are you, I believe I read you're natively, natively, you're a native of Australia. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm from Australia. So, um, you know, it's like I can kind of view uh, American culture from this kind of outsider's lens, yeah. I suppose. So um, it's really, you know, interesting. It was interesting for me to travel around and kind of like have, I think everybody has this, this kind of notion of what Americana is and boyhood from across the country. And so it's really kind of interesting to kind of, view that from an outsider's lens and also like break that down for everybody to be like well actually this is what's really happening on the ground yeah. from like you know Colorado to Utah to to Virginia to Washington like this is what youth and people look like today um I thought that was really important absolutely and before mm-hmm. I come to you Lazarus I want to say I, I do appreciate that that it's called the American Boy Project because I do think Doc no matter depending on where you're situated in 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 the U.S. So if you were to ask me as a Southern black gay man from Kentucky, what does an all-American boy look like? I'm probably going to describe you some some corn-fed white boy from, you know, the hills of Kentucky. If you yeah. ask a New York, someone from New York, what is an all-American New Yorker? He's going to have an accent. He's going to be Puerto Rican. Yeah. You know, so I, and so I appreciate that um, in the same ways that this project seems to challenge what people think of when they think of tra- trans being transgender or masculinity. Also, what does it mean to be all American? And that's gonna that's gonna vary depending on where one lives, how much one makes, uh, what one's culture is. Lazarus, yeah, yeah Lazarus, and talk I, about. Oh, yeah, Doc. yeah, and I feel like um, too, like I think it's really really great that you have trans masculine identity showcased at various stages yeah. of yeah. of their own journeys. Why was it important to you to have this kind of variety? Um, when in your photography, when it comes to showing trans masculine identities, why was it important yeah. to show the different stages of that that identity? I think people at different stages have different stories to tell. Um, you know, their 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 the journey along the trans masculine spectrum is is going to change over the course over the course of the years. So it was really important for me to find people who were, you know, who who were just starting 
um, hormones who, and as, as opposed to people who have kind of been on testosterone and living their life like six years. Um, so, yeah. I love it. I love it. Lazarus, how did you come to be a part of this project? Did you solicit or, or submit rather your, your, your story or were you contacted about Soraya? How did you come to be a part of this project initially? Uh, Soraya slid into my DM. Yes. You know, and at first I was kind of skeptical. Like I being trans on social media, I get, um, a wide gamut of messages, I guess, is a kind way to put it. Um, And they said that they were working on this photo series, and I was like, I'm sure you are. Um, (laughs) And then I clicked on the link, and I was like, oh, these are beautiful. Um, And I just never seen trans folks photographed with such care um, and without such, like, an emphasis kind of on this, like, hyper-masculinity, especially for folks on the trans-masculine spectrum. Um, It's rare to see representations of us that, showcase our soft sides too and don't have that you know be portrayed in a negative light um and to also be non-binary and be a part of this project i really appreciate that they have folks who identify as trans dudes or just dudes or non-binary like me um so i said yes right away once i started seeing the images i, I love it how, how was it for you to write your own narrative and to discuss your journey and your identity i love that each photo is accompanied by each person's story. So was it hard for you to tell your story or uh, was it fun? Like, how was it? How was it in in terms of telling your own story to go with the image? Yeah, I'd say it's fun. It was fun. Um, Straya asked a lot of questions that I'd never really been asked directly and to get them from like another gender fluid person of color, it was, you know, a lot different had it been someone else posing the questions. Um, and, you know, trying to keep in mind too, that like these words could maybe help someone else who's like, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. And if I would have had something like the American boys project to look at and recognize I'm not alone, um, that would have changed a lot of my childhood. Um, so it was just really nice to kind of dive in and reflect on my transition. Lazarus, you mentioned that that you get a, a wide range of interactions from people online. And for my trans friends, I hear frequently about, you, you know, it's probably just the same for me as a person of color to a different degree. But a lot of times people are either eroticizing or fetishizing you. So when people interact with me on, on social media or even on dating sites, there's some kind of uh, fetishizing of, of me and my embodiment. What have, have you had positive interactions by and large, Lazarus, or have you had people who are really kind of fetishizing or even policing uh, trans bodies? And, and so talk a bit about what reception has been from the general public in terms of people who have discovered the project. I'd say it's been overwhelmingly really positive. Um, and I've heard Janet Mock say this in interviews too, but like Instagram is kind of heaven for trans folks. Okay. Um, there's not, a, like there's still, you know, the trans will be, we have to navigate everywhere and especially as trans people of color. But um, Instagram is like where I also found a lot of images that make me feel less alone and recognize that non-binary folks existed. Um, I definitely do get a lot of the fetishization um, and it's, hard being non-binary and folks really want to put me into that trans male box which doesn't quite feel like a home for me um and you know I wear whatever I want and I get some clap back from other trans masculine folks sometimes like right now I'm wearing some sunflower booty shorts because they look good Um, (laughs) and some folks do you know like some folks might clap back at that but 
usually I get nothing but love, which I definitely need. <laughs> I love it. And a funny thing, Lazarus, I'm also wearing some sunflower booty shorts. Uh, so child, you, oh you, you who wore better? No, and, Jesus. no listeners. But, <laughs> and what what for both of you? This question is for both of you. What do you both hope will come from this project? Um, how has it changed you both um, in any kind of way? And what do you hope that audiences will will get from from this project? Well, obviously, I'm pretty excited about the book that's going to be coming out uh, April next year because this this book is actually um, will live so much larger than the Instagram feed. Uh, the Instagram feed is just a portrait image of each person I photographed, while the book will be a series of images that kind of uh, goes into a little bit more depth about each individual. And it will also have direct quotes um, from the stories from when I, you know, for instance, when I sat down as Lazarus, we recorded the conversation and uh, the words will come directly from something that he's done so that they've said. So, um, so that in a sense is like really exciting for me and the next iteration of this project because there's so much more to offer when it comes out. And I feel like it's a really, it's going to be one of those books that um, there's so many people out there who are really curious about um, the, you know, gender non-conforming community. And this is a really great, going to be a great resource for people to like dive in head first and learn about, uh, learn, um, about people's stories and connect on a human level. And hopefully that will help like break down a lot of the stigma and barriers and um, prejudice against uh, the trans and non-binary community. I love it. I love that it. That for me is really super exciting. I love it. Yeah. Lazarus, what do you hope the people would take from uh, perhaps seeing your picture or hearing your story or those of other participants? Yes, to me, I, um, I just really think it's something that the trans community re- needs right now. Um, trans masculine representation on mainstream media is kind of non-existent and when it does exist it's usually skinny white dudes um and i really appreciate the diversity of this project of folks at different stages of their transition from all over the country different races different backgrounds different understandings of their gender um and it just really shows that there's no one way to be trans masculine so i just hope that the next generation of trans kids you know can go to a library and get this book and see that they're not alone um I think that's going to be huge. I love it. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I want to play for you all a little bit um, from the American Boys Project YouTube page. This is just a little short introductory video, so you all can certainly go there and, and see some of the folks who are represented. But I want to just let you all hear this, uh, listeners, so you get an idea of how cool this project is. Hey there. My name is Soraya. I'm the photographer and author of the American Boys Project. I thought it'd be really cool if you could meet just some of the people that I've photographed over the last little while. So we decided to make you this little video. Uh, Take a look. My name is Chella Man. Hello. My name is Thomas. I'm 28 years old. I live in Social Circle, Georgia, and I'm a trans man. Hello, uh, my name is Sam Choi. I am a transgender man from Seattle, Washington. My name is Tyler. I am a 22-year-old trans male from South Florida. My name is Teddy. Um, I represent Kansas City in the American Boys Project. Hi, my name is Jimmy. I'm 28 years old, and I reside in Richmond, Virginia. I identify myself as a transgender male. Hello, my name is Emmett Claren. I am a transgender man, and I am from Utah. 
I'm just a guy, but I'm different, and people are afraid of what they don't know. The American Boys Project showcases transgender and gender non-conforming folks from all across the country uh, living their lives as themselves in our society where it's sometimes difficult to be ourselves. This project is more than a book, it's more than a collection of photographs, and so much more than a string of syllables. They create some of the most incredible stories that you'll ever read in your entire life, I assure you. This book is really important because if I saw this as a kid, it probably would have changed things for the better for me. It's really hard to find trans representation in media, so this book could change people's lives. So listeners, that's a little bit of the video. And again, you can go to American Boys Project on YouTube and see some of the images and hear from some of the folks. Before I let you all go, uh, Soraya, my last question. Do you have anybody from Kentucky as part of this project just yet? I actually, I don't. I'm so sorry. That's... I'm so sorry. Uh yeah. Well, that, that's Kentucky. That's that's okay. Listen, we have listeners all over the world. I'm sure that someone here in Kentucky uh, wants to be a part of this project. I'm not yes. sure if you're still taking folks, but I do encourage, especially our Kentucky listeners, to go check out the Instagram page. Yo, submit your stories. Y'all represent for the 502. But <laughs> but really, uh, beyond that, um, Soraya and Lazarus, we really appreciate you both for being with us today and for creating this beautiful project and bringing it to fruition. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. It was It's so necessary and so needed. And we're so excited that y'all took time out of your day to talk to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Thank you. All right, so let's take a break, Doc. Let the people know who we are. You're listening to Strange Fruit by Louisville Public Media. This story was a story of a lot of firsts for me. I encountered a lot of weird situations journalistically with this. Even kind of having known that in the back of my head, I was sort of confronted with it. You know what it's like to hear the stories, but what's it like to make them? And what do our reporters learn that doesn't make it into the newscast? I'm still really curious about these questions, and so I would imagine readers and listeners are too. That's what you'll get on ReCut, a behind-the-news podcast from WFPL, every Tuesday and Thursday at ReCut.org. Welcome back to listeners. So Doc Pride season, uh, at least in Louisville, just ended. But, okay. you know, it kind of runs. I, I don't know. when The first Pride, because you have, like, white Prides and you have black Prides. And yes. black Prides, you know, like, all year long. You, I mean, you have, like, Texas, D.C., like, <laughs> yes. Labor Day weekend, Memorial Day. So, like, black Pride season basically runs basically, like, almost 75% of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but most white Prides are really held, like, in June, right, in the kind of traditional kind of throwback homage to, to Stonewall. And so, of course, we just ended Pride season, uh, Pride season in Louisville, with Kentucky and a Pride, we do have Louisville Pride coming up in September. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you and I have talked on the show over the last several years. We talked personally about what we perceive to be a very... Uh, pride is white. Okay, yes, let's, let's just call very, it what it is, right? Yes. And not even yes. just Pride itself, but going into nightclubs, going to drag shows. You know, when we yeah. Because we live in Louisville, which is not a majority black city no matter how much black nightlife there is, when we go to, like, gay places, child, it's going to be some yeah. kind of... Public gay spaces Awkward interaction, white folk. white, yeah. You know, they're gonna, there's going to be... You're going to express Racist, gay men, gay men, sexism, all yep. those things. And yep. so I was really, really delighted to see this poem. And listeners, I'm sure y'all saw it. It went viral um, a couple last month, a couple months ago. Um, and it's a really wonderful poem about uh, all those kinds of things. And so we had to hunt down the the poet, the creator of this poem. Uh, so please welcome to the show. I want to say the name correctly. Uwazi... Yazumani, did I say that right? Yes, you yes. did. Welcome. You really, really how, did. How, how welcome good to the job, show. Good job, good job, good job. Thank you. How are you today? 
I'm fantastic. How Great. are you guys today? I'm loving this energy. Oh, well, thank you. you. Yes. When you get the phone call like when you get a phone call like that, yes. you just you just something something about you just pulls up. All yes. right, well good. Pull upness. Pull, yeah, a come, lot of pull upness. Come on, yes. a, come on and pull up. Into that. Come on and yes. pull up. We love I'm it. I'm perched. I am perched. Well good. We are glad you are here. Tell our listeners number one. Uh, we're gonna play. We're gonna play this this uh, this poem for y'all listeners. But tell our listeners what inspired you to write this poem, and then and then we'll talk a little bit later about how it felt when it went viral. But what led you number one to create this piece? Was it off the dome, or did you write this and been perfecting it? How did it come to be? Well, um, parades, which was written about two years ago, it was written in 2016. I was commissioned to to write a work um, for a show entitled Between Two Worlds, a Black hymn on race, religion, and rites of passage, a Black gay hymn on race, religion, and rites of passage. And my mentor, Harrison Guy, who is also the artistic director of uh, Urban Soul Dance Company here in Houston, he, um, he had auditions for it, and he was surprised that I didn't audition as a dancer, I did audition for a dancer, but I also auditioned as a poet. And when I got commissioned to do the work, he just gave me a few descriptor words to to play around with and and write. And one of the the words was parades. The other one was rain on my parade. One of my favorite Broadway plays is uh, Funny Girl and the song Don't Don't Rain on My yes. Parade, which was a big hit made by Frank Sinatra, Shirley Bassey, and uh, many other people who've done a rendition of that song. And so it's kind of a, a parody on, on the, on the don't rain on my parade song, but talking about the, the, um, what pride is for black gay men, black gender, sexuality, non-conforming, uh, men and, and women and, and even, uh, youth. And so I kind of developed that poem. He said he wanted me to be my sarcastic caddy, uh, <laughs> caddy self, and, yes. and so I said he. I let loose, and um, yeah, that poem is about two years old. And then I performed it at an open mic, a pride theme open mic, and I didn't expect it to go viral, but it did. So, and here we are. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, we absolutely love the poem. I mean, it is something that. We've been like, yes, like when we both heard it and saw it, we were both like, yes, this is exactly what we've been talking about. Yes. Um, well, first we, people kept tagging me. And I'm like, why do people keep tagging me in this video? What is this video? I'm like, I don't yeah. have time to be watching no video. And people, I just kept getting tagged. And so we were finally like, Let, let's watch and see what this yeah, is about. And see what it's about. And it is, it's like, you know, something that both of us have been going to gay prides forever. I mean, now, like, both of us are 38. So, oh, no, yeah, well, no, no, don't do that. No, let me, both, let me tell you. Both of us are 38. No, because, listen, let me tell you. Yeah. you know, she she is six all, months She is six months older than me. My birthday was a few days ago. So, so for the last six months, I've been reminding her that she's older than me. Well, and now we're now, finally the same. Since both of us are 38. Touche, touche, touche. Okay. And we both came out very, very young. Um, you know, we thought going to Pride initially, you know, when we are 15, 16, going to Pride festivals, Thinking like, oh right. yes, this wonderful place where we're gonna be embraced, yeah. and you know, and right. then we encounter like all these microaggressions uh, due to race or due to gender performance yeah. presentations, uh, so, so on and so forth. And so we really, really um, appreciated your words and your sentiment and the, and the fire you brought to the mic around something that has really, really plagued us yeah. about going to celebrate ourselves in a space that 
clearly is not for ourselves, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I wonder, like, so what? So what has the reaction been for people? I mean, yeah. obviously, have you had? Have you gotten a lot of love? Have you gotten those hashtag white lives? You know, all lives matter or not all white people? Right. Not, like, have you gotten some pushback from people? Or has it been mostly love? It has been mostly love. More, uh, more specifically, there have been people from London, um, the Netherlands, uh, Australia, um, Greenland, even yeah. Canada, and just all over, uh, all over the United States. As far as uh, specifically uh, areas with where the uh, Black gay culture is is so central for people, like New York, um, where Stonewall is, um, Philadelphia. Chicago, Oakland, a lot of different places where people have reached out to me and said, you inspired us, like um, people who are non-binary and uh, gender sexuality non-conforming um, were saying that this was, this is also important because not only did your words speak, but, you know, your outfit spoke to a lot of things. And she was, and, and when one of the, the, the gentlemen who spoke to me, he was just like, everything about it was was right yeah. as far as um, even being in even being in a spoken word environment. The spoken word environment here is very, 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 very. I wouldn't even say homophobic. I would just say very ignorant and very bigot as far as it pertains. It's, as far as it pertains to the realities and the the openness and transparency of what it means to be a, a black gay man and to share those complexities and being willing to share those complexities on such a platform. So I've received a lot of love, but I've probably received like maybe five or six messages where people are like, well, you know, um, uh, we shouldn't be asking white gays for acceptance. And I said, if you were listening to the poem, nothing about parade says we're asking for acceptance. It's just getting people to under getting white gays to understand that we started all of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason the reason you don't know that we started all of this is because your history books won't teach you that you Come see on. the, the, you see the fruits of our labor. Yeah. You don't see, you don't see how white gays didn't align themselves against the state until the civil rights movement and the black power movements that happened prior to the Stonewall riots. So all white gays have done and what they're continuing to do is capitalize off the revolutionary organization that people like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera and Willie Ninja and Dorian Corey and uh, your uh, Venus Extravaganza yes. did before even before uh, Pride was even a thing. And so if you don't understand that, then that is probably one of the root causes and the dissonance of your microaggressions and of your, feti- your uh, fetishing of black men and black women and, and our black youth and all of these uh, other different mechanisms of, of violence and, and hate and ignorance towards the black gay community. Absolutely. And Doc, mm-hmm. you talk about this with, with your students. I mean, we, we, we talk all the time about how white, first of all, the white gay children think they invented everything. Yes. They, they think, oh, they think the RuPaul invented category. If I, if and, I hear one more I, white I, child say category is, I'm and, serving and the you. The library is I'm open. I'm serving you and, a grocery store. It's like, no. And, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But what does it no. mean for them to co-opt and, and try to perform uh, an embodiment, a culture, a language, right, a performativity yeah. that literally came right. from black and brown, queer and trans people. How do you, how do you, right. what do you make of that? We talk to your students about that. What do you, what do you I mean, I, I think that it's, again, it, it's indicative of the way in which whiteness functions. And so queer whiteness is no different 
than uh, heteronormative, uh, heteropatriarchal whiteness, folk, right? Yeah. So everybody is socialized within the same beast. And so if you are socialized to one, uh, be racist and or a racist apologist, right? So I'm not racist. I have black friends, right? That kind of that kind of racist person, um, you basically function in the same way. So you're fascinated with cultures and races outside of yourself. You're fascinated with the language, with the dress, with the aesthetic, um, but you want to erase the black precedent, right? Similar to like within queer spaces, they want to erase the black and trans and gender nonconforming precedent, yeah. right? So all the ways in which we know and come to get to, when we get to Stonewall, right? And we're talking about Sylvia, we're talking about Marsha, yeah. we're talking about Miss Major, we're talking about um, we get into house ball culture and we talk about reading and voguing and all those other kinds of things. The white gay children, the white cis gay children tend to really revel in these things and appreciate these things. And they get really mad at you when you, you know, inform them that these come from blackness. These yeah. come from, you know, black transness, black gender nonconformingness. They get really affronted and really, really upset and really, really mad because they want to own it, own yeah. it in a way in which they think that, blackness and any cultural production from marginalized groups or people of color especially yeah. that they have the right to have right yeah. so i you you know so i just i feel mm -hmm. like it's it's something that you see across the board it's the same thing with um you know it's the same thing with the white women coming up to me in the elevator oh my god where'd you get those big hoop earrings it's like girl go on yeah. you know what i mean go on with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's yeah. like Absolutely. it's it's no different and the fact that a lot of white cis gay folk don't see that, yeah. don't see that the, this is functioning in the same way that racism and co-optation and cultural appropriation function in mainstream society yeah. is a problem, yeah. Well, let, well, let's take a break, y'all. Let's listen, uh, y'all, to Parades. Um, you can find this poem on YouTube and was shared on our social media listeners. Now, it does have some strong language in it, so if you don't want to hear that part, just skip ahead about four minutes and catch up with us there. I came dressed for the occasion. Inclined and enthralled with a sudden sensation to place myself right in the middle of these festivities said to be prideful. Lined with six colors meant to represent inclusion, so pardon the intrusion, but where is the color black? And exactly whose pride are we talking about? My pride, your pride, black pride, white pride? No. Not the pride of this five foot ten black man with broad shoulders and a presence that can't be met at eye level and no elbow room to settle in this would-be momentous occasion held annually. Pride. An event held annually by gay people meant to make a note that it's not about color. It's about coexistence, humanity, seeing each other as human beings just as long as you and your friends who look like you get to sit comfortably, flaunt your floats, party in your prejudice, ignore the presence of melanin, then force a series of racially dynamic conversations, but still leave blackness up for negotiation. So today I'm here to say, hey, white gays, Don't police me on issues of color Cause I refuse to be a politically correct black brother Instead I'm bringing black clouds to shut down this parade Simply put, I'm throwing shade And dragging your insistence to believe that the black gay right to representation and existence Is something these Abercrombie and bitch queens have been falsely representing 
talking about humanity, organizing their committee meetings with a lack of color and limited seating from their big black dick, mandingo fetishes and fantasies of us to their racist, passive aggressive scapegoating. Yes, that's right. When pride rolls around and somehow it's time to start promoting diversity, somehow you're right in our faces, adding splashes of our cocoa brown shades to your promo flyers, your promo videos, just to make a note that if you look a little bit closer, you'll see three or four black people floating around. But you see, I can smell the social exclusion from a mile away. Yours is saying you couldn't care less about what it means to be black and gay. So don't tell me to calm down. That's something I won't do. You don't believe in black gay representation? Fuck you. You talk about diversity but can't even have conversations about race. And it's insane. It's even more irritating than only seeing white gay couples widely represented in the human rights campaign. You see, black has always been stolen as a means for you to be seen from our fashion sense to our lingo. Yes! And what's the thing, bitch? And you better... To the first rock thrown at Stonewall, to the motivation behind your cultural appropriation, we've been the driving force of getting your life and conscious creativity, all the while tolerating racist, colorblind passivity. We've been the equilibrium, the subsistence, Yet you've never really understood Marsha P. Johnson's political resistance. But every year, it's the same six-colored flag, and you wave it as if you're a constituent to what it means. You know what? Maybe it's not about color. Maybe it's about the erasure of it and casually going to and fro when it's of benefit and of necessity to you while you turn your backs on our realities and our truths. This has been a storm that many of you snowflake queens have been passionate about antagonizing. But bottom line, you can't have color without color. And recognizing this unprecedented march that's about to take place on your Wonder Bread ass. Because our footsteps will be acknowledged one by one by one, despite what you refuse to see. And in spite of our communal vices, you place under a repressive magnifying glass. You really want to help? You really want to be an ally, Snow Bunny? then stop saying you see my black ass as a human being because race is a topic that makes you uncomfortable. You really want to help? Acknowledge and respect the oppression that we have walked in for decades because it's more than just a goddamn parade. This is about change. So, get ready, white gays, because we're a-coming. Confused about the aforementioned news will show you something. Because nobody, I said nobody, will ever shut us out of another parade. Wow. Oh, my God, I oh, love they, that. Yeah, let's, <laughs> yes. first of all, let's give it up. Let's give it up, y'all. It was so hard not to signify while we were listening to Child, it. Yeah, <laughs> trying to keep it for the radio. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't even know where, where to go from here. I mean... Well, was, well, let, well, let's talk a bit, about, a bit about you because people may not know, but you are... I know that you're a choreographer, right? And, and so talk yeah, a bit I'm about... A about talk a bit about your background. Have you always been into the art to be found? I know that for me as... As a black gay man child growing up, like I found a lot of a lot of solace in the arts, and of course I did a little musical theater myself, doctors, you know, uh, you know. So like the arts kind of was my safe haven. I know that for some of our people, they may find it in the church or, or doc, you, you know, like you and I both found it in books. Talk a bit about about what the arts have done for you in terms of finding your own identity, or or to what degree they've helped form your identity itself. Absolutely, the the arts has been a very very integral part in shaping my identity. Um, it started with watching Video Soul yes. and seeing groups like TLC and seeing um, Missy Elliott, who I really attribute to as the the epitome of 
creativity and seeing groups like TLC, uh, you know, Waterfalls just did something to me. And, you know, I really didn't understand the messages until I got got old. I was like, wow, they're talking about they were talking about HIV. They were talking about um, about survival apparatuses yeah. that take place in the uh, in uh, underserved neighborhoods well, in the quote unquote hood as far as it. And I didn't get that until I got older. All I saw was the visual visual aspect of that and then I as I got older I was like oh they're talking about safe sex they're talking about you know they're talking about sex positivity but being but being safe within this practice of sex positivity all of these different things and to be able to um to be that person getting up and doing dance moves in the middle of the living room and moving furniture out the way and having my mom yelling me yelling at me to turn the music down and all of those different things but but dance has always um been kind of the center of who I am creatively and uh, dance and music has always been the center of that. And then spoken word, I started writing poetry when I was in sixth grade. I had a teacher named Mr. Akbar Harrison. And in his enrichment class, he would always tell us to write. He says, I want you to write about this. I want you to give me about four or five lines. It's got a rhyme. And then I want you to get up and do it in front of the class. And, of course, I always had the best poems. <laughs> and he would always call me, and I would um, I would get up and, you know, I wrote a poem about, like, Burger King, or I wrote a poem about what it means to be original. And, and that's where I really, really, um, that's why I guess my gift for it was nurtured. And then when I got to high school, I had a teacher named Kimberly Coggin who taught me all of the poetic devices and how to really sharpen my reading and sentence structure and all of those different things. And she really, really um, sewed into me as far as being a poet. And when she saw that parade that went viral, she was just like, she like called me crying and saying, oh my God, you know, she was like, I never, I didn't dream, I didn't manifest this or anything. She's real spiritual like that. And so um, the, the arts have always been kind of like my my guiding light through life and really just being able to navigate and really share that transparent truth with the masses. Well, it, I mean, you are absolutely phenomenal. Where can our audience, who I know is inspired and uplifted by your poem, where can they find more of your work? Um, do you have a website? Or just let us know how we can keep tabs on you, keep in touch, and and keep getting blessed with your art form. Absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at Uwazi Isikumba Yazamani. But if you type in um, Uwazi, you'll find all both of my pages. Right now, unfortunately, I'm in Facebook jail. I because, saw you said, oh. you said something about 45 and somebody, somebody reported you. <laughs> yes, yeah, somebody reported me because I said something about Trump. But that's neither here nor there. You can also <laughs> follow me on uh, Instagram at Uwazi underscore Zamani. That's Z A. M-A-N-I. You can follow me on Instagram. If you type in Uwazi, you'll find it. Um, you can also follow my uh, poetry page. When I first started really getting into writing commission works on Facebook, I go, uh, one of my old stage names, I'm making a transition from that stage name, but my old stage name was Sleepless Nights, the Poet, and you can follow that page. There are a few works on there that I've done before. I have um, a few works about uh sexual abuse. I have some poems, some love poems on there. 
um, some poems about HIV on there. So it's a lot of it's a lot of content to pull from. And I'm actually working currently. I'm working on my uh, first collection of poems, which is entitled "Possessing Authority: uh, Black Gay Retrospective." And so that will be that will be. I'm looking. The trajectory is probably next year. So okay. be on the lookout for that. I'll keep you updated with that. But those are all of my pages, and I'm currently building a website all right. with all this newfound fame. All right. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you are, we are so delighted to have met you, a major acquaintance. And there you, like, there you, you're welcome to come back anytime. Yeah. Even if you just want to come back and cut up, but we are so happy to have seen your success. You know, obviously we we we, we root for our people and have seen your brilliance go viral, but also with with such an important message. Because our people frequently go viral, but I think that your message was something that was particularly um, that resonated with us and that was really really needed to be heard. And so we had to have you on the show. We were so happy that you were eager and willing to come on the show and, and, and bless our audience uh, with all your brilliance. And so please take care and come back anytime, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having yes, me. Yes, be well. Yes, Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Y'all have a great day. All right, Doc. So thank you to Uwazi. That was so, he has so much energy. That was I know, fun. I know. It was real fun. That was it, was a good like, old, it was a good old time. It was like talking with an old friend. Yeah. We're going to say, we've been having fun. When we get Butch Queens, Black Butch Queens on the show, child, we really do be having a good old time, don't I we? Do, I think so. We be having a yes. festival of time. Uh, it was the best. So that was cool. And uh, Uwazi is doing such brilliant work. And, and I'm just so happy to see uh, all the success for him. And hopefully uh, he'll come back soon. So. Uh, we, we, I okay. want to say thank you uh, to you and to Missy for a wonderful, wonderful time. I came oh, over Miss Missy at a birthday party. Yeah, and, and we and we we party with the Jackson family, and then of course you got and me tickets. It's always a cut up in a key with baby, the Jackson. baby. It's ah, you, ah, listeners. Ah, ah, ah. Let me tell you something. Y'all missing out. You know, y'all missing out. The Jackson family is a real, oh, is a real my treat. God. And, and then, of treat. course, you got me, as, as as is our annual tradition, you got me tickets for Entertainer of the Year pageant on Sunday. Yeah, I had a fantastic time, and so. Um, you know, so I'm just, I, I, I just, I'm getting old. You know what I'm saying? I know. You know. I used to, Doc, I used to run the streets on my birthday. Like, yeah. I used to be like, I was in like, the nightclub, like, dancing you, all night. I talked to you the next day after your birthday. <laughs> I did. I, early in the morning. I tricked you, didn't I? Yeah, early in the morning. And, like, tell them, like, tell them, yeah, this is what I, I said. Had... I was like, I was like, girl, I woke up. What did I say? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. You were like, you were like, uh, I was like, hey. And I was like, good morning, booters. And you were like. <laughs> You were like, good morning. I just woke up on somebody's porch. I'm like, I'm, I just woke I, up on some stranger's porch. And I'm and like, I'm half, like, na- I'm like, I'm I'm half like, naked at my birthday where I am at. You're like, yeah, oh, my I'm God. Like, I was like, oh, my God, are you and serious? And I'm like, psych. I'm like, I've been home for hours. So, yeah, yeah, you were like, psych. Yeah, you I know, so I was hour. I was home at a decent hour, and, I, and I'm getting older, <laughs> you know, and so I'm actually kind of embracing uh, not being in the nightclub every night as I used to be when I was in my 20s. And so I wanted to say okay. it's Leo season. I'm continuing to enjoy Leo season. Happy birthday to all the Leos. Out there, um, of course, you all. We all are the best zodiac sign, um, and I love y'all lot. And so, I do uh, love Leo. Yes, I do. On that note, Doc, we are out of time, so please say goodbye. Bye, bye, everybody. Strange Fruit is produced by Louisville Public Media. Our editor is Laura Ellis. Our engineer is Kojin Tashiro. For more information about Strange Fruit, visit strangefruitpod.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at strangefruitpod. The views expressed on Strange Fruit do not reflect those of Louisville Public Media, its staff, or its underwriters. Strange Fruit is produced by me, Kyla Story. And me, Jason Gardner. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org. 